Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I'm excited to be back in the saddle today. All right. So love if you're going to get your notes, your Bibles out. Open your Bibles up or your Bible app, whatever you use, to Matthew chapter number 9. We're going to be reading a passage of Scripture. Hey, let me just tell you a little thing here. I, I remind everybody of this every once in a while. People sometimes say, well, what version of the Bible do you read out? And that's a, that's a good question. I typically, unless I state otherwise, I use the New International Version, also known as the N-I-V-N-E-V. So, so uh, if, if you... You know, if you have the NIV, that way you follow along exactly with me there. But, you know, any version, pretty much any version would, would work. Uh, but other times I use some other scriptures in here, but I typically say, like, what version it's from. Or I'll put it up there on the screens for you, all right? But we're looking at Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Uh, this is a little longer passage of scripture we're using today. Uh, but, but we're going to read a little bit about a day in the life of Jesus. Get to know that a little bit where. Uh, while you're turning there, just to let you know the title of today's message is Turning Expectation into Reality. Say that with me. Turning Expectation into Reality. Yeah, It's the first uh, message in a little series I'm doing called Focused Faith. Uh, and today, uh, the first day of the series is Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Hey, you guys have to understand this. I just happened to marry into, I didn't happen to, I made the choice, but I married into a Mexican family. Uh, my my father-in-law, Mario Guajardo, or appropriately, Mario Guajardo. Want me to say it again? No, I'm not going to. I was at his church last Sunday preaching, uh, first Spanish assembly in New Braunfels, and and he was my interpreter. So as Preston was preaching here, I was in South Texas preaching. In fact, uh, my wife shot a little bit of a video clip of it. So here, here's just a little little pic, pic or a little video of us you know, doing the scripture together. So this is what was happening. Look in Hebrews eleven six in the chapter eleven, verse six of the and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Pero sin fe es imposible agradar a Dios porque es necesario que el que se acerque a Dios crea que le da y que es galardonador. Aleluya. Aleluya, Dios. I love him. I just really love Mario. Uh, Rebecca's dad, Mario, he was a Mexican citizen who moved to the United States in the early 50s. Uh, and then in 1962, he was able to get his uh, full U.S. citizenship, which he's very proud of. But I love being with him. And recently when I visit him, he, he likes to talk about Mexican history. And it's stuff that I never really learned. Uh, and and I, I enjoy it. So on this Cinco de Mayo, I feel it's very appropriate to express some of Mario's sentiments because he's my father-in-law. He gets his way. You know, it does kind of work that way. Uh, and, and I'm just telling you this. Mario would want you to know that Cinco de Mayo, first of all, it is not Mexican Independence Day. New Mexican Independence Day is September 16th, 1816. Please understand that he wants you to know that. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is actually the celebration of the Mexican 
victory over the French Empire on May 5th, 1862. That's about 45 years later. They came and invaded. Uh, it's a pretty cool story because the Republic of Mexico, they kind of had to fight itself against these crazy odds. It's kind of like Alamo story for us, you know. Uh, but the U.S. was in civil war, so the French go, hey, well, look at this. We can invade Mexico, and the U.S. can't help Mexico. And so they took advantage of Mexico's inability, of our inability to assist Mexico, and they attacked Veracruz, Veracruz, and uh, and Mexico was outnumbered significantly. Uh, the French uh, came plowing in. The Mexican armies just pushed them back out. And on May 5th, they won. Now, the only thing is, is that two years later, the French came back with an even bigger army. And then they took Mexico and put their own king in place, emperor in place in Mexico, which a lot of people don't even realize. And, and, and so it's like the celebration of Cinco de Mayo, according to Mario is a little bit strange. He, he, he let me know this. He says Cinco de Mayo is celebrated in the United States much, much more than Mexico. <laughs> he said, he said, and I was like, well, why? What do you think? You know, he says, well, it's something that you, that Americans market to celebrate and just eat Mexican food and party. <laughs> and so I did my research on it and I did, I found this, that on Cinco de Mayo today, beer sales are on par with Super Bowl Sunday in the United States. So you know, like, okay, great. We're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. But, but, but he may, let me know very clearly that Cinco de Mayo celebration is really quite misdirected. Uh, it, it's, it's more of an excuse to drink beer and eat Mexican food rather than, okay, get this, celebrating our neighboring country's tentative only two-year victory over the French when they came back and took the country anyway, but then took them a few years to get them out again. Okay, here's the point. That's what Mario would do. It's like, eh, what do you think, team? Now, I'm team to him. I'm team to you. I'm team to him. You know, what do you think, team? It's like, that's crazy, loco. You know? Here's the point. Celebrations don't always accurately reflect the reason for the celebration. That's important, and it's good. <laughs> Here, let me, let me give you an example. Easter. Uh, we celebrated it two, uh, two weeks ago, the resurrection of Jesus, and I feel like we celebrated it appropriately. But within our culture, a lot of different various types and expressions of how people celebrate Easter, which is fine. But, but, but how should we celebrate things like this Best. How should we celebrate holidays the best with the best authenticity? Well, especially like when it comes to Easter, I think we need to apply what God did for us into our lives, understanding that part of the resurrection is not just forgiveness of sins, but it gives us access to the throne of God for miracles. So, so here's what I'm challenging you today. Will you celebrate, keep celebrating Easter with me? I know Cinco de Mayo and, you know, do what you're going to do. But, you know, I'll just tell you this much. Today, I want to continue to celebrate the resurrection. Today, I want us to keep celebrating by asking the resurrected God for miracles that were made possible, possible because of the cross and because of the resurrection. Today, I want you to have faith for miracles. This, this, this ancient songwriter penned this stanza of the song that's found in uh, Psalm chapter 77. Verse 14, I love it. It says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display power among the peoples. And really, here's how this worked in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus walked around doing miracles, 
How did he do that? He did that through the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him. Why did he do it? Well, he did it to introduce what's called the kingdom of God. In other words, he did it to introduce the ways God works to the people. But then he left. Like, oh, okay, so it's all over with. Well, no, actually, he said, hey, it's, it's good that I leave because when I, when I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he said, you've seen all the works that I've been doing. You're going to be doing these same works, but you're actually going to get to do even greater works than this. So if we're really supposed to wrap our brain around this and see what's possible for us New Testament Christians to participate in because of the resurrection of Jesus, <laughs> then I think we need to go back and take a look at what Jesus did. So we're going to see what happened on a day in the life of Jesus. What you're going to see is that miracles flowed through Jesus because of people's faith. And and here's here's the other part. Whatever their like specific expectation was, that actually became their reality. Now I want us to look at Matthew chapter nine, verse 18. Jesus was in this setting. He was talking to a group of men that was part of another ministry team. And they, had, they were doing kind of a Q&A session with him. And Jesus was teaching them a few things. And then, and then it says, while, look, Matthew 9, 18, while Jesus was saying this, a synagogue leader, so that would have been like a, a leader of, a, of a, a Jewish church at that time, came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Well, hold on for a second. Sometimes people say, you can't just say God's going to do this and God's going to do that. God, you, Jesus, you come over here and you put your hand on her. She's going to live. Like, isn't that a little bit audacious? Isn't that a little pushing the boundary? How dare you say God's going to do something? Well, you know what? This guy just did, and he didn't get shot down by Jesus. Because look, it says, Jesus got up. Forget the teaching. Q&A session's over here. Uh, this guy wants me to go touch someone. So he got up, and he went with his disciples. You know, they, they took off. I, I love this, because the man says she will be raised to life. She will be. I might blow some of your minds away as far as what God expects for us to do. That's called faith. Okay, then he's going along the way, pick it up in the next verse. It says, then a woman who had been subject to bleeding. So it was like an internal bleeding she was experienced for 12 years, came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. Okay, now, now look at this next verse. It says, she said to herself. Okay, she's, she's talking to herself. She, she's not crazy. <laughs> uh, you, you talk to yourself too, you know it. But, but she talked to herself out loud with words because it's quoted here. It says, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Again, look at the audacity of that. She didn't say, I think I might get healed. I was, something good could happen to me. I might feel a rush of happiness. No, she said, I will be healed. And so she, she, she says, you said it, that's faith. And she does it. So Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. In other words, her expectation, what she expected and what she declared happened. And the woman was healed at that moment. Pretty amazing. The day in the life of Jesus continues. It says, when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd of people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. So what was happening there is, is there are all these mourners, you know, like, oh, she died. And so they're playing these, these you know, flutes and something. 
And 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 they're like, <laughs> and so Jesus say, "Hey, go away." She, you know, she's just sleeping, and then they go from that, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, you just think about the setting, think about it. They're a bunch of phonies, like phony crying, laughing. I was like, what is the world is going on with these guys? No wonder Jesus said, "Get away." You're in the way of the miracles, really what he's saying there. It says, they laughed at him. <laughs> and then after the crowd had been put outside, Jesus had to make sure those people who, who, who were like mockers, didn't want to believe, they didn't have faith, get them out of here. They, they don't need to be here because I don't want this thing messed up. He went in. He took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread around all that region. Uh, he didn't even say anything. Actually, it's interesting because it happened just as the man said. That was his faith. He says, all you need to do is come to my house and touch her, and she'll, she'll come, to, come back to life. So Jesus is like, okay, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> do you know that God works that way? Okay, great, sure. Well, let's keep reading. The day in the life of Jesus continues. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed. They were calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, you've got to keep in mind, these guys are blind. They can't see where they're going. Naturally, they're going to yell out because they don't know exactly where Jesus is, but they're yelling. They know he's here. They can hear the buzz of everybody saying, oh, it's Jesus coming. And so they're just yelling, like, well, they're moving in this direction. And then it says, when Jesus had gone indoors, in other words, <laughs> Jesus kept walking. Sometimes it felt like God's ignoring me. Well, how dare him? No. <laughs> Jesus kept walking and went in. These blind guys somehow got through the doors and got into this house. How do you like that? When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. And, they, and, he, and Jesus asked them, well, do you believe that I'm able to do this? I mean, do, do you believe? Like, like, there's like, they didn't say, well, duh. <laughs> no, say, yes, Lord, their words. Then he touched their eyes and he said this. Oh, here it is. According to your faith, let it be done to you. They said they had faith to believe for what? Well, they hadn't even told Jesus what they wanted. It could be obvious. But, you know, it could have been like they, were, they, had, they had sore toes because they had stubbed their toes because, you know, they're, they're blind. They can't see where they're going. They could have, like, stubbed their toes, had hurt her toes. Like, yeah, geez. yeah, according to our faith, we want our toes healed. And you know what? I believe their toes would have been healed that day, but they also would have left blind. But according to their faith, this happened. It says their sight was restored. Then Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread news about it all over the region, according to their faith. Now, let's keep going on, a day in the life of Jesus. Now, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. So some people brought the guy in. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Here's the part of this miracle, which fits into this whole frame here, framework of what's happening is the demon-possessed man was brought to Jesus. He couldn't ask for a miracle. He couldn't talk. Someone else did for him. Someone else had faith for him, and, and they spoke it out. So someone else's faith threw him and created a miracle for him. So it goes on in the next verse. The crowd was amazed. This is like nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Well, yeah. And Jesus said, the reason Jesus does this is to show people how God wants to work. But the Pharisees, 
They said, well, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. In other words, it's by Satan's power. See, the, the Pharisees, please understand this. These were a bunch of high-end, upper-class, arrogant religious leaders. They weren't clergy, but they were religious leaders. that were just, they, they just, they thought they were something, you know, and they're basically going, oh, who does he think he is? <laughs> we know things he knoweth not. He's a poor person, we're rich, you know. God doesn't work like that in these days. <laughs> we know how God works. God, he must be using witchcraft. Yes. I know they talked like that, but these were arrogant people denying the power of God. And today, arrogant people still love to deny the power of God. I'm just preaching the word. All right, take a look at the next one. And then it says that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages doing three things, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease. And Jesus said, this kind of stuff you're going to do, and you're going to even do it in greater ways. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that's in me, it's actually going to be in all of you, and you get to continue this. There are a lot of things that are in this passage, some things I haven't even pointed out yet. You know, one of the things I think we need, we've got to, though, get in our hearts and understand is that mocking and criticism does prevent miracles. I mean, Jesus wasn't going to heal that girl until the mockers, and uh, they got out. Those were faithless people. They were the ones who, who would have held back a miracle. We see it happening in other places in the scripture. The truth is, when there is an atmosphere of unbelief, miracles will be prevented from happening. It doesn't matter where you are. The Pharisees, I mean, they, were, they had a critical spirit. They were critical of Jesus. <laughs> Do you see any of these Pharisees getting healed? Do you think they had some issues? I'm sure they did. <laughs> they didn't get healed. So part of this truth that we need to learn here is that we can actually prevent miracles for ourselves and even others because of our attitudes. I don't want to do that. I want to have an attitude of faith. And another thing that we see here is that the miracles actually go hand in hand with, with proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. That, that last verse was so clear is that, is that Jesus taught God's word. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he worked miracles. See, faith is actually released when you hear the word of God. That's what the scriptures tell us. That, that's why at our church we, we preach and we teach God's word because it creates an atmosphere where God can do things. Around here, that's why I say, you know, you are chained to hope. You are a prisoner of hope. I love to remind you that God loves you. God hears you and God will restore you. In fact, the miracles that God wants to give to you, they are just gifts of love. He wants to lavish on you because he just loves you. I don't want us to ever minimize the value of Jesus then by ignoring or neglecting those types of gifts that he gives to us. His sacrifice on the cross was not just for the forgiveness of sin. It wasn't just so that we could get into heaven. It was to heal us of our diseases and our infirmities and the poisons of the world. The fullness of life that Jesus came to bring us it's not just a promise for eternity, but it's for today. In this year, we live in a fractured, decaying world, and you know that. We live in flawed, imperfect bodies. But Jesus paid the price for you to be whole in your body, your soul, and your spirit. God wants to work miracles for you. Today, I want to see people, I want to, I want to believe that people right here in this room will be healed and delivered from addictions, 
from spiritual darkness that's assaulting you, from sickness, from oppression, from disease, from psychological challenges, chemical imbalances, financial crises, uh, ailments that the doctor can't even figure out an answer for, depression and broken and fractured relationships and despair and self-hatred. I want your faith today to be built up. I want you to expect a miracle in your life today. All through this passage of Scripture that we read together, and you have it right in front of you, read it again and again and again. I just see it over and over and over. Expectation precedes miracles. You've got to expect it. Every single person in this story, they expected to receive a miracle from God, and actually they were crystal clear on what they wanted. They were crystal clear on what they had faith for. It wasn't something general. Like, well, no one said, well, I might get healed. Or, you know, on every occasion, there was a clear, specific expectation for a certain miracle. Come on, today, ratchet up your expectation. Believe and even be, 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 be willing to declare it out loud like the girl did. She, she, she just said to herself, you know, declare out loud exactly what you're needing from God. I like it, you know, that, that uh, that's how every miracle in this passage took place. These people, they all did something in expectation for their miracle also. I mean, somebody brought the mute, demon-possessed man to Jesus. The synagogue leader went to Jesus and asked him to go to his house. The woman pushed through the crowd and touched Jesus close. The, the blind man cried out to Jesus and then somehow busted down the door and got into this house. Have mercy on us. None of them were sitting at home watching Netflix, you know, scrolling through Instagram, hoping their miracle might come one of these days. <laughs> Here's what this means. You need to do something in expectation for your miracle. You do. You need to tell somebody the miracle that you need so that person can pray in faith with specificity for you, for that specific miracle. I mean, today, at the conclusion of our service, if you want a miracle, I'm going to ask you just to walk up here and let me pray for you. In fact, one of the things we do here at City Life is we, this is important to us. It's been important since the very beginning, but we provide prayer for miracles every Sunday. My challenge for you is to utilize it. It's always available at this church. Uh, the prayer team and the elders, they stand against this wall, and they are there to pray for your miracles. We, uh, we put it up on the screens when they're there, and you go. And, and see, these people, they've been praying themselves beforehand. They, they prepared their hearts, and they will stand in faith with you for your miracle. All it takes is walking up to a person and saying, I need prayer. Here's what I need. Please. In this church, we pray for miracles every time we get together. Why do we do that? Actually, because it's in the Bible. According to this, it's fundamental Christianity. The scriptures tell us this. It says in uh, James chapter 5, verse 14, is any among you sick? Let them, let them call on the elders of the church. So it doesn't say, well, if I'm sick, somebody's going to call me up and pray for me. Well, probably not. Um, you need to reach out. See, again, you got to do something. Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them, and that and takes us back to the let them, let them call again, okay? You guys understand how, how sentence structure works here, okay? So also, let them, let them call the elders of the church to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Say, hey, will you anoint me with oil? See, God, God works miracles that way. 
You ask for prayer, someone else then does something, and they pray over you with Holy Spirit authority. And if you desire, say, yeah, I'd love to be anointed with oil. They will anoint you with oil. What is oil? Well, it just simply represents the Holy Spirit. They're not going to dump a bucket on you or anything like that. I mean, don't, we're not weird. We just do what the Bible says, right? And they call on the name of Jesus to deliver miracles according to what you believe. Ball's back in your court there, you see? So today, I want to stir up your faith, guys. I want to stir it up. Stir up your faith for miracles. Some of you need to break out of some boxes today. Some of you need to break out of some bondage. Some of you need to break out of some sickness and some oppression that has been holding you back, and you need to leave here free and healed. And it will happen, I believe, according to your faith. They go, okay, Pastor, help me out. What again is this faith thing? Well, here it is. Faith is, Hebrews 11, 1, confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. So you're confident that something specific is going to happen. Your confidence is built on the hope that God has already given you, all right? And you just have this assurance inside of you that that, that what you don't see, that what's not here right now, that what seems impossible is about to become your reality. That is faith. The miracles that, that also come your way, I, I want you to know this. They are not determined by what's going on in your life right now. Not at all. Miracles are according to your faith. There's this false notion that, well, things are going bad in a person's life and something's wrong with them. God's mad at you. Uh, something's wrong with your relationship with God. You failed God in one way or another. And I just want to say, I, I don't believe that for one second because tough things happen to everyone. We live in a flawed, imperfect world with messed up bodies, okay? We all get sick. Every one of us deal with hardship and pain. But because of the resurrection, because of the cross, those who live by faith are able to overcome those difficulties with the help and the grace of God, no matter how massive they may be. So if you want to put your faith into action, you just got to get out and begin to act on what you believe. And some of you, I, I know your situation may be tough, but I want you to have hope today, and I want you to believe today that your best really is yet to come. Pur- purge yourself of pessimism, and negativism. Just develop a faith in your heart that God will work a specific targeted miracle in your life. Believe for the unbelievable. The atmosphere of expectation, I believe, is just the breeding ground for amazing miracles, and that's what I want in our church. I just want us to be like it the Bible. One of my favorite scriptures just resonated in my heart for a few weeks and even heard me uh, do it on that little video clip at my father-in-law's church last Sunday, but it's just going to be holy in English today, all right? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and believe, we can insert the word believe in there, right? Believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe that God rewards you if you really earnestly seek him? That's actually how to please God. God, in other words, God rewards people who do something, seek him, press into him, just like what we saw in this whole thing in the scriptures. You're not going to go to a restaurant and tell the server, well, I'm here because I'm hungry. I need something. No, you're going to be specific or you're not going to get anything. (laughs) 
And then what happens sometimes when people are specific, yeah, I want a hamburger and fries and, uh, you know, with, with extra cheese on the side and I want some mustard over here and then give me a large, you know, whatever. And then, boom, it doesn't appear like instantaneous because you spoke. It's like, well, see, I knew this wasn't going to work. I'm out of here. I'm never coming back to this restaurant again. Would you ever do that? No, of course not. <laughs> no, you wait with expectation to see what you asked for begin to unfold, right? You don't order and stomp out because it didn't magically appear at that moment. I, I, I actually really believe that one of the greatest uh, reasons why people don't see miracles is because they don't see it instantly, and so they get upset, or because they're, they're afraid to even step out and receive it even in the first place. They're not willing to tell somebody, hey, I, I want you to pray for me for a miracle, because you don't want someone to think, well, I, I'm imperfect. They might know I'm imperfect, or they might know I have issues, and therefore it's like, okay, come on. We all know that. <laughs> it, it, you know what? Those are just barriers to unbelief, and I, I, uh, barriers to, to belief, and I want you to break those today. It really takes us back to our theme scripture for this year. Here it is, 2019. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, those who hope in the Lord, you're going to keep holding on to Jesus. You're going to keep hoping. You're waiting, you're waiting, but you're going to keep hoping in the Lord. Will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. And I think you can take this scripture and make it personal. You can say, today I choose to have hope in my Lord. Today, my strength will be renewed, just like the people saying, this will happen, you know. Today, I will soar on wings like eagles. Today, I will run and not grow weary. Today, because of my choices, I will walk and not faint. Why? Because I'm putting my hope in the Lord, and my hope is not passive, but it's active, because faith without action is no faith at all. Today, it's time to turn your expectation into reality. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.